This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside Carolina's Own the Beat Live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. in the house john bowman's in the house we are live folks it's the first time in what a month month and a half maybe we've actually done this live i tried to do it a couple times by myself did not work uh so all props to john greg let's jump right in it uh carolina's basketball media day was on monday and i listened to as much as i could of everything and the one thing that still sort of shocks me blows my mind a little bit is how this team went from four months ago to where they are now. It is absolutely amazing. The attitudes, not only around the program, the fan base, but the players themselves. And now they've added a piece uh, that could be that piece to lead them to where they almost made it to last year. But what a difference a four months makes, right? Yeah, it's it's phenomenal, Tommy. And and one thing I would say is, is last year in the preseason, um, it was almost like the guys were, were trying to be cool, if you will. Like they thought they had a chance to be good. Um, and later in the year, they would tell you that they, they always thought that they had a chance to be really good. I don't know that I believe that. I, I think they were kind of reaching and trying to figure out what that team was going to be about. But what transpired in March and, and what we saw this team do up to that national title game run um, was just phenomenal. All the pieces kind of clicked. Everything came together. And then what we saw earlier this week was really the, the culmination of all that. Um, the guys were just bursting with confidence. I mean, Leaky Black, if you haven't listened to Leaky Black's interview, the one I did with him, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, he is a different kid. And it's great to see, uh, you know, he, he talked a lot last year about dealing with anxiety and, and the struggles there and dealing with fans and, uh, you know, the, the hype of expectations and the burden of expectations. And because he actually you know, turned things around, both mentally, personally for him, as well as on the court, he's just a different kid. Um, and he's embracing the moment. He's, he's joking. He's laid back. You know, Armando's always kind of been laid back. But, but he knows you know, what kind of season he can have. There's no doubt about it. He, he's done it. I mean, he, he had one of the best years as a, a big man in North Carolina history last year, and he, he knows he can repeat that. Um, R.J. Davis you know, has always had a chip on his shoulder, but what he did as North Carolina's point guard, really establishing himself as a point guard, uh, you know, has allowed him to really step up as the guy for this team at that role. Uh, Caleb loves Caleb love. Um, yeah, I think we're all still kind of trying to figure out how, how Caleb's mind work. I think, I think Hubert Davis is doing the same, but then you start talking to guys like 
Puff and, and Dantrez, their confidence has spiked. And then when you add in a piece like Pete Nance, just a very uh, sharp, intelligent young man, uh, you know, comes from a great uh, basketball family um, with four years in the Big Ten. He's a big-time player. A lot of talk about him we can get into. But just it's just a completely different team in terms of the confidence level, in terms of the cohesiveness. Uh, yeah, and I think it's a great point, Tommy. From where that team was in February, before right after that Pittsburgh game, through the title game to now, it's just a remarkable turnaround. Greg, how much of actually, especially for RJ, um, Armando to a little bit lesser extent, he experienced it a little bit his freshman year, but RJ, Caleb, those guys that this past year is really the first time they've sort of experienced college basketball as it's meant to be, especially at Carolina. Uh, You know, Pete Nance talked about getting on campus and, and experiencing all of that stuff, but these guys a little bit last year, not as much, but definitely this summer, have experienced what it's like to be a Carolina basketball player. The run helped with the confidence, no doubt. But to be able to go up against um, some of the people that were able to um, be there, you know, they talked about Cam Johnson. They talked about guys like that and Marcus Page and all. Just to get that experience, I I don't think it – you can't understate that, I don't think, when you're talking about Carolina. Or overstate it. Certainly not, and I would even take it back into the season. I mean, the the atmosphere they encountered uh, for the Duke game at Cameron was unlike anything they'd ever seen before. Um, and they didn't get to see that their freshman year. I mean, when when Caleb and RJ and those guys as freshmen went into Cameron and won, there was nobody in the building. They would not allow me in the building. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's like playing pickup game with your buddies. Yeah, there may be a te- you know, TV camera in the corner, but there's nobody screaming at you. Uh, and then to play, I mean, Tommy, you were there, to, to play Duke in the Final Four. I mean, that was the most incredible atmosphere I've ever been involved in. Um, that's part of North Carolina basketball, right? And then you get to the offseason like you're talking about, and you have the camps where all these kids just love you to death because you you are their idols. And then you play the pickup games, and as you said, Luke May, Justin Jackson, Tyler Hansbrough, Marcus Page – kind of a who's who of the recent North Carolina superstars and to go through that. And then on top of that, you know, Leakey's talking about how they went to Freddie's fun park the other day and Armando, they figured out can't get into a go-kart because he's too big. Um, and Armando's talking about how a group of them went down to the outer banks and they took Pete Nance with them so they could bond and get to know him better and have some downtime. They didn't get to do that after those guys freshman year due to COVID. Um, and all those things are, are part of being a college student. It's part of being North Carolina. It's that, that family that we talk about all the time. And all that was lacking. And so, yeah, for sure, that played a big role. Last year was was really like a freshman year for those guys all over again. So now they're finally in it. And now they understand what it's about. And that will help them moving into next year. Yeah, and, and you could see the way they played at times the last couple of years about how they – they didn't have that. They weren't able to have that family atmosphere, and they played like it, especially early this season. I think it was really a disjointed bunch, you know, a bunch of pieces and not really any kind of puzzle that they could put together. Um, while we're still early in the show, let's bring in Joey Powell. Uh, Joey Powell, of course, Coast to Coast podcast fame with Rail McMillan and Sean Moran. But, Joey, um, I, I wanted you to just stick in here and 
and tell listeners and watchers what they can expect a little bit later this week from Inside Carolina and from you and what you've put together podcast-wise, video-wise for them. First off, I'm glad to class the joint up a little bit with uh, the three of you lovely human beings. Appreciate you making time for me. And uh, Producer John, love that. I, lo- I love, the, right. love the title there. Um, hey, I'll be real quick, man. Just make a, make a drive-by for you. Yeah, Tommy, I uh, just finished, and I'm doing the write-up right now, uh, really cool almost an hour long with Jawad Williams and you know everybody here knows Jawad but he just hung up his his playing shoes and retired after a 17 year playing career which I can't I, I can't imagine doing anything for 17 years much less something as taxing as as pro ball is but the guy just finished up and and so we um you know, we really chopped it up about everything from what his next career steps are to and I think that's fascinating. We talked a, a lot about what summer basketball looks like, what pickup looks like in the Smith Center, and I think he gave a lot of insight that folks may think they know, but having heard from a guy that's been from the player side and the alumni side, uh, there were some really good stories in there. And uh, and then we also we we spent a lot of time talking about this coming season and what folks can expect from this roster, who has surprised him, who he thinks is ready to make a big jump, and then what what he feels like the the ceiling might be for this group. Yeah, the interesting thing about Jawad and everybody that's watched Carolina and Joey, I know that you've talked to him about it. We've talked about it on the live shows and Saturday mornings before, but that dude was on one of the worst Carolina basketball teams Mm -hmm. in history and was able to end his career um, with a national championship ring. And so he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about how it matters to have all this family atmosphere and stuff that goes on this summer. And that's what Greg and I were talking about before you stepped in is being able to play in the camps and play with the kids watching. And yes, little kids, not college kids, little kids watching and all that stuff. But then to play against Carolina alums that bust each other in the rear end when they're out there. Yes. Anybody that's seen some of those games, there is no love lost. They may love each other, but it's like a bunch <laughs> of brothers out there trying to kill each other. And it's cool to hear Jawad talk about that. Yeah. One of the things I love about the guy is he's brutally honest. He's very even keel. And I think that's what made him such a good player was he was able to kind of harness the the ebbs and flows and kind of keep that parabola relatively flat. Um, Greg can appreciate that because it's what most of the best golfers in the world can do, right? Like they can always kind of keep that, keep that heart rate, you know, in between, uh, 60 and, and 90. And, uh, and Jawad gave a couple of really good stories about, to your point, Tommy, um, the word old man strength was used a couple times. Uh, we talked about, you know, how those old guys like to lean on the young guys to toughen them up. And it just, it was really enlightening. I don't want to give away the farm, but hopefully everybody who's in the chat now and everybody who's who's listening to the, 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 on the beat when it gets posted, uh, we'll check it out. Cause it should be, um, it should be up relatively late, relatively soon later this week. Yes, sir. That's Joey Powell, of course, coast to coast, but also special podcast with Jawad later in the week. Appreciate you stopping by Joey. All right, boys. Y'all have fun tonight. We shall indeed. And you're listening to on the beat live with Greg Barnes, John Bowman, and I'm Tommy Ashley, Johnny t-shirts, our sponsor, Greg, let's get, Back in and John, feel it. Look, one thing that Gregory Hall had to learn is he just had to bust <laughs> in sometimes. So feel free to to step on toes and jump in. Um, but I'm on. I want to get into a couple things with Greg about what I heard from guys, um, and we'll get to y'all's questions. There's a ton of questions coming in. The cool thing is, you ask a cool question, you get to see your name on the screen, and all that. So uh, be mindful of that when picking screen names. But Greg, let's just go ahead and talk about. Pete Nance right out the gate. 
Um, I listened to the interview. I've listened to a few things from him, his Northwest days. I mean, if he wasn't a basketball player, he could be like a scientist or something. Uh, I mean, he is so deep talking about it. And, uh, of course, he comes from great family, great athletic family. So he, he has little choice but to be good at basketball. But I think his value goes much deeper than just that for this team. Yeah, for sure. And I really think the most interesting story, and he told a bunch of them that kind of popped to me is the fact that when he was at the, the draft camp, the, the elite camp, uh, this is when he was focused solely on going to the NBA, hadn't really thought about you know, going back into the portal and, and looking around at the college level, but he bumped into Brady Manick. And he just happened to bring up the Carolina experience with Brady, and Brady just talked about how it was the best basketball experience he'd ever ever had. Um, and that really stuck with with Pete, uh, just the fact that you know Brady was only in Chapel Hill for one year. And yet, for, for that one year, it was so special to him. You know, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier, Tommy, where, you know, after those first couple games, Brady's like, this is not what I came here for. Like, this is not what I knew Carolina basketball to be. We've got to be better. And so to go from that to where he's talking about this being the absolute best experience of his life tells you what happened last season but also speaks to you know, what Carolina basketball is. And no doubt, you know, Pete, I don't think Pete would have shared that if it, if it didn't kind of uh, lock into his mind so that when he decided that, hey, the NBA's going to have to wait another year, uh, that that was kind of at the forefront of his mind. And so that, that was a neat one. But, yeah, Tommy, he talked about so many just interesting things. Uh, he had a lot of high praise for Chris Collins. Uh, you know, it just – just, just said a lot. And uh, one thing that I will say is that I talked to a lot of different players about Pete and Brady and how they were different. Because a lot of people just say, well, you know, here's a big guy that can shoot. He'll step into Brady's role and Carolina will be back doing what they did last year. That's not the case. Pete's a different player than Brady, but he can shoot the three. Uh, but he has more of a post-up game. He's a little bit better defender. Uh, he can get out and run a little bit better. Uh, and so he's going to bring a unique uh, skill set to this team that Brady didn't have, and that's different than Brady. Um, Brady, you know, was one of the best shooters we've ever seen come through Chapel Hill. So that's not a knock on Brady at all, uh, but just some different things. And and Pete really talked about that and talked about how he really tries to be versatile and tries to do everything so that he doesn't have any weaknesses. Yeah, that was one thing that stuck out to me as well is, is listening to his new teammates talk about him. He's only had maybe six, uh, just a few practices this summer, some scrimmages. But RJ, Caleb, Armando, they were all really praising Pete uh, to the point where it, it was a little uh, silly at points. I mean, you think it's like LeBron James or Kevin Durant joining this North Carolina team. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see how he plays with this new role. His Northwestern team that he's come, he came from wasn't the most talented team. So now he's going to get the opportunity to play more of a secondary creator role, not be counted on to take every shot. If you watch a lot of his highlights, he's spending a lot of time dribbling the basketball. He's sort of having to post up over and over to get points. I think he's really going to thrive playing off uh, some of his new teammates uh, for North Carolina. Greg, one thing, and to John's point there, one thing is, you know, Amando, I think it was Amando said he just needs to shoot. You know, he wants him to take more shots. And, um, but he's really deferred. I think that's part of being the new guy is you want to defer so everybody will like you. 
Um, but his folks have got to learn. Brady Manic was a unicorn, and I said that a lot. That dude was different. I mean, he looked like one of us out there with with this beard and long hair, and he could flat out play. And he made some ridiculous shots. Pete Nance, to be compared to him, um, I don't think it's fair to Pete Nance, quite frankly, um, because the expectations are going to be there. But, but Greg, given that Nance is there, and we'll go to the first question, Mark Cole, ask it, uh, will the rotation increase? Well, they've got guys, and I think Puff Johnson's comments were, were interesting as well. And this goes to what we'll talk about a lot in the offseason is, will Hubert Davis expand this rotation? to get these guys that have gotten better and better on there. Because if Pete Nance plays 38 minutes a game, then Puff Johnson's not playing much. And, and, you know, how does Hubert manage it? I mean, will we know um, until December or January? What do you think? Yes, that's a great question, Tommy. Let me slip this in real quick. Pete Nance shot 46% from three in Big Ten play last year. Granted, he only shot 65 threes in, in conference play, so he, yeah, it was about three three a game that he attempted. So not near the volume of Brady, uh, but 46% is pretty pretty stout. Mm. Uh, Rotation-wise, uh, Leaky Black had a, had a fun line during his interview, just talking about how, hey, well, we know Hubert doesn't like to play many guys, so i got to make sure I'm in shape. Um, we wondered about how Hubert Davis was going to be with the rotation. And in talking with people around the program and talking with players uh, dating back to the end of the season, I don't think Hubert necessarily wants to be in the Coach K mold where Coach K picked his six or seven guys and just wrote them. And he did that for a long time. Hubert did that last year, but I think it was only because he had to. Um, And in talking with some, some various people, including players, it's very clear that to play at North Carolina for Hubert Davis, you have got to earn it and you've got to show that you deserve it in practice. And then when you have the opportunity in games, you've got to execute. You've got to be able to help the team. And I think that's all it is. We've been through one full season with Hubert. The guys understand what it takes and what the requirement is. I had a long talk with Dontrez Styles, and Dontrez was like, I just didn't know how to prepare as a freshman. You know, it was it's, it's easier in high school, obviously, when you're an elite athlete. Um, so it took him time to realize what it was going to take for him to be able to get playing time. I'm sure the same was true with Puff and everybody else. Um, and so those guys know what to expect now and know what's expected of them. Therefore, that's going to allow them to potentially earn some more minutes this year. Pete Nance has to figure that out. You know, we know Brady Manick had a high motor. All of his teammates praised him for that. We assume Pete does, but he still has to earn that. Um, and then you've got some of the young guys. You know, Seth Trimble was a name that a lot of guys were just talking about how athletic he is and how talented he is. Well, he's got to prove that to Hubert in practice. And so if those guys are able to do that, I think there are multiple bodies coming off the bench that have the talent to play this year in addition to the starting five. Can they prove to the coaching staff they deserve it, though, and that they've earned it? And I think that's the key distinction. And I think this summer is a big part of that. And that's why it's important to see them battle against other people. What you got, John? Yeah, I think one name as well you didn't mention as much, Greg, but it's going to be really critical 
I think Seth Tremble at the backup point guard position. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much opportunity he gets as we go through the beginning of the season. I'm going to pull up the next question here. Uh, let's uh, let's pull lots of questions in the chat pod. So feel free if you have a question, uh, just repost it. The next one is here from Jack. Uh, he's asking about uh, Pete Nance specifically catch and shoot. Uh, Greg, you you mentioned his stats earlier um, from the three point line. We know he's a good shooter. Um, how do you think he'll fit into this offense? He does not have the Brady Manic quick release. Uh, he, he's just not that type of player. He's going to capitalize when he has the opportunity. Uh, but I, I think it's I think it's important to to say that that Pete is is more in the traditional stretch four role. I mean, you're going to see him post up some. He's a guy that can play the five, not out of necessity, but because he can play the five. Uh, but he can stretch defenses, and that's going to be a, a critical part of it. Um, and so I, I think you know, last year Puff could come in for Brady. And they're basically playing the same role. I think you can put Puff at the four this year, and it's going to give you a little bit different look because he is a different type of player than Nance. Um, does he have a quick release? You know, all we've really seen is, is from game film from last year, and it's nothing like Brady. So I, I don't think people should be expecting that. Uh, but but good enough when he's given went room uh, on the wings, especially and in the corner, he can knock him down, and that, that's really all you need. You don't have to have the Brady Manic quick release coming off screens, Pete's not going to be able to do that very effectively. But he can take advantage and he can stretch defenses. Yeah, I think he's going to be more, when I say traditional, big that can shoot it from the outside. Um, like Manic would run off screens and get them up. He would pump fake and get them up before the guys defending him even had the opportunity to get hands up. Not the same player. Um, but like you say, Greg, he's effective. And I think Armando mentioned it, um, that he can play the five. So if, if Armando goes out, you don't have um, an undersized guy that's not used to being against another team's big. And granted, there's not a ton of teams that have huge bigs these days, but it was pretty clear, um, and Brady Manick got a lot better as the season progressed, but it was pretty clear when he had to guard an opposing five or an opposing big man, he struggled at first, and he, he got better. I don't think Nance will have that issue, um, but again – I. People got to realize Manic was different, and uh, it just made it uh, it makes those expectations that higher. Greg, one name that people have have thrown on the chat, and I want to ask about. First of all, on these media days, explain to um, folks in a nutshell how it works, because um, I used to do it, but it seems to be a little different than it is than it was back in the day. Well, the intent is to get the high profile guys available for interviews, um, and whether you know, whether it's before. The season starts, whether it's before Duke games, when we get you know, a lot of the guys out on the court and we can just kind of run around and talk to whoever. Uh, what this was is basically we're going to give you the, the, the core rotation, and then if there's any special requests, we'll try to make that happen. And so uh, we essentially got the starting five. Uh, if you include Puff in that, we got Pete Nance, who's the transfer everybody wants to talk to, and then Dontrez Styles was requested as well. And that's pretty much the, the core group of guys. Um, and that's all we were able to talk to. And that's that's pretty much all everybody wanted to talk to until you get into the season. Then you're going to start wanting to talk to, to freshmen and maybe some other guys just to kind of catch up. That's how that's set up. Yeah, and it's, uh, if people are asking about McCoy and DeMarco Dunn and all that. To Greg's point, I mean, it's you can't have – if you have everybody, then it sort of dilutes – 
it a little bit because times, you know, they don't give you forever and all. So hit all the major guys as the season gets into it. Then you can talk to the guys that maybe haven't got the opportunity, but a fun time for that. Let, let's talk a little bit about Caleb Love um, and then we'll take a break and we'll come back and hit a little bit more. But Love, um, he mentioned consistency, efficiency. Um, my question, Greg, is, and I heard a lot of discussion, but how does one practice that? It's all mental, right? If you're not, you can't shoot him out of the gym. Like people forget that he shot five for 23 or something crazy in the national championship game. And he's, he will forever be forgiven for that performance for what he did against Duke in the semifinals. But those type games, um, he can't have this year. And in talking to him, I think he gets that. He understands that. But how does one truly understand that until you're in it? That'll be the interesting take. It will be. Five of 24 in the title game. So he missed 19 shots. Which is um, a lot. It's a lot, especially for, for a guard. Um, and what we know about his struggles inside the arc. Look, the, the, the key thing is, and I think we have to give him credit, uh, because as the season went along, as especially as they got into the postseason, he was making much better decisions in terms of facilitating uh, the, the ball around facilitating the offense and his teammates, getting things going, making smart decisions. Did he do that every time? No, but I think there was significant growth there. And for a stretch, especially against UCLA in the second half, he took smart shots in the paint. He was aggressive without being out of control, and he made a lot of baskets at the rim. And that's why North Carolina won that Sweet 16 game. And then it kind of vanished. So – I think for him, he just needs to watch the UCLA game in the second half and say, just do that, and you'll be you know, first-team All-ACC, you'll push for All-America, that kind of thing. Uh, but in terms of how you practice, you just have to practice control. It's practice and discipline, and that's where the pickup games are so important because, they, to your point, Tommy, it's not like you can just go out there by yourself when you're shooting and work on, well, I'm going to make sure I take smart shots in the lane. It doesn't work like that. You've got to do it in practice. you got to do it in pickup. Um, and that's some of the things that we've heard from some of the pickup games is you know, guys like Justin Jackson and Marcus Page, who we, Kenny Williams, who we know are really good defenders, have really focused on putting pressure on both RJ and Caleb, Caleb especially, to make him feel that pressure and to make him feel that tension and see how he responds. Because more often than not last year, when he had bigger, stronger guards on him or equally talented guards, that's when he struggled because it wasn't easy for him. And so I think that's one of the great benefits of the pickup games is they can really make him uncomfortable. And it's when he's uncomfortable that the growth, the greatest growth occurs, right? That, that's when he needs to be able to take it up a notch, settle down, not, not force things, but play smart. And I, and I think that's the most important part of the offseason for Caleb. Yeah, that's some great points there. When he was able to physically dominate his opponent, he dominated his opponent. And uh, at the UCLA game, you're right. He needed to watch that on loop because he wasn't shooting well to start with. What was he, one for 10 in the first half or something? And he drove and got in the lane, and it sort of opened up everything. And I, and I think he uh, he's that guy that's going to win you a ton of games, but he's also the one guy that can maybe – cost you a game or two if he if he hasn't figured that portion out but rj davis was a guy greg i thought late in the season became dog that carolina needed and 
He, he might've been the smallest dog on the court at times size wise, but he was huge, especially in the, in the, in the final four. He under, he gets it now and he understands his role. And it was interesting to listen to him talk there. There's little doubt in his mindset this year. I mean, if there ever was, I mean, he's a New York guy, so they rarely have any doubt, but I think he's the one that makes the biggest leap this year. What do you think? Uh, it's a good question, Tom. I mean, I would, I would kind of circle back to your previous point that he really kind of clicked for him last year. And so I just think it's, it's making gradual strides from how he played in the postseason. I thought he was fantastic. I, I really did. Um, if you want to watch fun basketball, go watch the second half of the Duke game at Cameron and really focus on RJ and Brady Manick. Because those two guys in that moment played at elite levels. And that is, I've watched it a number of times and just amazed at how good they are. RJ Davis is not the biggest guy. You know, Marcus Page was not when he came in. Joel Berry was not when he came in. It took RJ basically a full year of understanding that I can't just run to the rim if I've got guys on me and fling up a shot. I could do that in high school. I can't do that at the college level. And it, it took him a little bit of time early in his sophomore year. But as you got into ACC play, it really clicked for him. And I think the ability to be able to find his ways of scoring, whether that be on the perimeter or getting into the paint, pulling up for those little 10-footers, he figured that out. And once he got that confidence from his offensive output, then he started to become that point guard who could really set up his teammates. Um, he's, he's a gritty defender. He's, he's tough-nosed. As you said, he's a New York kid. Uh, he has full of confidence. I think he closed the season phenomenally. Um, and I agree. I, I think he's a dog. I think he's he's the leader of this team, even though he may not have that title as a captain. Um, I think he can get better for sure. But I'm not sure that, that he needs to take a massive step. I mean, I, I think with Caleb, we can say, hey, here's highs, here's lows. There weren't many lows for RJ last month or two of the season. So, yes, he needs to get better. But But I think – North Carolina should feel like they've got one of the best point guards in the country entering this season. Yeah, if he if he carries over, and you're right, if he carries over that last month into this season, he's going to push for all ACC. He's going to push uh, Caleb Love for the best guard on the team, I, I mean, and the leading scorer. Let me talk about Johnny T-Shirt briefly. Uh, they're sponsors of this podcast, but great friends of Inside Carolina and great people that you need to interact with if you watch this show, if you're a Carolina fan. Um, if you're inside Carolina Premium subscriber, you get 10% off your order, right? But it's already great deals. They have sales all the time, and they've got all the swag you could possibly need right there in their store on East Franklin Street, or you can get online and, and order it, and they bring it right to your door. Still fascinating to me that you can order something, and it comes right to your door. It, it is cool to me. But anyway, Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Take care of them. They take care of us. And if you're a premium not only do you get everything that Inside Carolina provides as a premium subscriber, you get their 10% discount on top of everything else that they do for you. Great stuff. Take care of them. National guys will pay the bill on the audio version. We'll be back on the beat live. The return. Greg Barnes, John Bowman. I'm Tommy Ashley. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back. It's on the beat live. Guys, it's fun. It's Tuesday night. Somebody said, why are we doing this on All-Star Game night? Well, let me tell you, Major League Baseball, I love it, and I watch a lot of baseball, uh, but on the beat live is Tuesday at 9 o'clock, and you got to make choices. And we made one tonight, and – I can tell Greg Barnes didn't even know the All-Star game was tonight. It didn't it doesn't look like it. Now if it was the British Open, might have missed Greg, but uh All-Star games do not uh, preempt on the beat live. And if you can't watch us and you're watching that game, check us out later. It'll be posted. But Greg, let's talk a little bit about um Leaky. And I wanted I started to get into it. And I want to talk about Leaky and Armando Baycott in this segment. But he talked about um, and I feel like I'm repeating myself because I was telling somebody about this um, earlier after I listened to his interview. He talked about the anxiety deal and how I guess it was the Louisville game that he sort of, I would akin to it, shaking off the chains of anxiety that that gets you if you have issues with that. And I don't, I'm no expert on it, but I've seen people deal with it. And he clearly had problems. But once he realized it and once he dealt with it publicly, he became such a such a better basketball player. But, you know, it's much more than that. And you could really hear that hear that in Leakey's responses today or, or Monday talking to you guys. For sure. And you when you deal with those kind of things, um, you kind of keep it hidden. Right. You don't want people to know. It's, it's a personal thing. I understand. Um, but it kind of you kind of just, just sit on it and it kind of bubbles up inside. And uh, there's a lot of confidence that comes with that lack of confidence. And he talked about, you know, when he, when he first came out and said it, he wasn't trying to make some grand statement. It just kind of came out. And then all of a sudden, all these people start coming out and talking and reaching out to him saying, Hey, the fact that you said that I deal with the same thing. And for somebody of your stature to be going through the same thing I am, that says a lot, and that's really helped me trying to deal with my anxiety. Uh, and Leaky, I think he saw that as, wait a minute, yeah, I can actually use this as a platform and really try to get some help to some people. And so he had a lot of conversations about that. I remember sitting in New Orleans talking with him about that um, and just you know how he's really trying to kind of make it a, a focus and how because he came out and talked about it a month or so earlier that he'd been able to work through it more and kind of had a breakthrough. And that was clear on Monday. Um, I mean, just like a different kid, as I said earlier, the confidence that he displayed, I mean, he was laid back. He was joking. I mean, you know, whenever somebody would say something, he, if he didn't agree with it or he, he, he thought it was funny, he would laugh in unique ways where it used to be. He was very stoic and uh, almost kind of timid, meek. Not anymore. And uh, it's, just, it's just a great thing to see. And I uh, mentioned the Louisville game. The game that stands out for me in terms of his play was at Virginia Tech. That was a game that North Carolina had to win. Uh, and what we saw in the in the first contest is that Storm Murphy had really laid off a leaky. Uh, I mean, Storm Murphy is like my size, mm-hmm. my height at least. Um, you know, leaky is 6'8". And 
what transpired was Leak is, wait a minute, like they're disrespecting me. They don't think I can shoot. So he was able to knock down some shots, and that really gave him confidence. And then the game up at Blacksburg, he played really well on both ends. And so I, I think I think there was some um, growth there, just in realizing that, hey, I, I can do this. I mean, this, you know, they don't need to be <laughs> disrespecting me like that. Um, so just to see it all kind of come together for him is great. He's been a great interview for a long time. Um, I've had several off, you know, uh, mid-season, off mid-summer interviews with him, 30, 30, 45 minutes, uh, where we've talked about a lot of this stuff. But what we saw on Monday is unlike anything I've seen, and it's great for him. Yeah, and, and somebody said, been hearing about his jumper for three years. Well, he made some big ones this year. And I'll tell you what, the fact that he's probably the best defender in the country, I guarantee you Hubert Davis will take that tag rather than somebody that hits five threes in the game. He shot 43% from three in ACC play. Yep. And he yeah. defends and he erases guys. Can't be that. Go ahead, John. And I think one of the lessons of last season that run, the Iron Five, everyone knew their role and everyone knew kind of how they fit, how they played together. So Leakey knowing that role and coming in with someone with a lot of experience, someone who came to or chose to come back and, and play in that role for one more season, I think that's only a positive. I think he's going to just continue to excel and grow into that role because um, clearly knowing your role and having a team that fits together matters. We saw that last March. Yeah, and if you have a guy that erases the other team's best player, you can't you you can't win with that if somebody's able to do that against you. You know, imagine, and this is a, a bigger deal than it is, but imagine if somebody just erased Michael Jordan from every Chicago Bulls game. Well, Scottie Pippen might think they would have won six, but they won't win in six. And, and Leakey has been able to do that on the college level. Did it all last year. Literally did it all last year. And so, Greg, I, I winded up. We talk about Armando Baycott. I thought it was interesting that um, he said he, he might get kicked off of Outer Banks because he couldn't get there because of practice. <laughs> and uh, so the question is, all that he's doing um, and all that he's done, and look, the man's living his best life. Don't blame it. I'm, oh, I'd do every bit of it if I were him. But how how do you think that will shape his game? Uh, I mean – there's only so many hours in a day. His mindset um, has got to be on point for Carolina going into the season. Any worries that you gather from anybody, that, that could be an issue. I don't think it will, but distractions are distractions. For sure. And the, the NIL world brings that uh, even sharper into focus, Tommy. Um, these kids are going to have to figure out how to balance time because it's one thing if you're a professional and you're playing basketball and you're doing advertisements and all these things. Well, Armando has class. So not only does he have the NIL and the Outer Banks and, uh, you know, basketball. Kentucky Derby. Right. Uh, <laughs> He's the man. The uh, famous seafood opportunities. Um, <laughs> but he's also got to do uh, school. And so there's a lot to balance. Now, having said that, the counter is that Armando, uh, you know, he hasn't hit the fact that his goal is to get to the NBA. And if he had been able, I think, to, to go to the NBA and be a first-round pick probably after his freshman year, he probably would at least have seriously considered it. And who can blame him, right? Um, and so the, the fact that you know, he, he had the ankle injury, which he's still not 100% recovered from, 
But his goal is to play at the next level. And it's not just to come back to North Carolina and have a good year. Yes, he's going to rewrite the record books and uh, you know, he's going to be preseason player of the year and all these kind of things. But his ultimate goal is to play at the next level. And so there are things that he has to improve upon. He's got to get better uh, shooting the ball. Um, he's got to get you know, more mobile. He's got to be able to run the court a little bit better. You, he's already very good with rebounding and scoring. I mean, his, his offensive skill sets already expanded quite a bit. But there are things that he needs to improve upon. And I think with his work ethic, the way that we saw him improve so much last year, I don't think there's much concern uh, given his, his veteran status on this team to understand that, hey, we were so close last year. I've got a goal in sight both with my team and individually. I'm going to enjoy this other stuff because I'm a college kid and I should. Uh, but you, when it comes comes time to put in the work, Armando is going to do that. Let me ask you a, a holistic question. Um, who benefits the most from – Hubert Davis being in his second year on this team. Who, what players on this roster benefit from that, from Hubert's experience? That's a good question. I really think everybody. I, mean, I think it was Armando who made the point that, you know, last year the guys were trying to figure out things amongst themselves, but they also knew that the coaching staff was trying to figure things out. Um, like what kind of style did they want to play? How did they want to play in terms of lineups and rotations and, all those kind of things. Well, by the end of the year, Hubert had figured it out. And the players had figured it out. And so now the, the guys understand, hey, our coach, who was a first-year guy last year, uh, he got us to the national title game. So if there's any concern about whether or not Hubert can do it at this level, uh, I think he checked that box last year. And so I think the guys have more confidence that, hey, uh, Hubert knows what he's doing. We just need to listen to him. We need to listen to his coaching staff. And that allows you to kind of work within a sound framework. And that's so important to understand that the foundation is in place. Now I just have to work on me and I have to work on our team concepts. And if we do those things, we know that we can get better. We know that we can play well. We know that we'll have a chance to compete for the national championship. So I really think it's kind of across the board. Uh, but you know, if I had to pick one set of players, it would have to be the, the newcomers, the freshmen just because the other guys can say, hey, we've, we've been through this before. This is what this is going to look like. Uh, and so now they understand that you know, the, the, the difficult road uh, has already been paved, right? The, the first year is over now. We know what everything is going to look like, and I think that makes it easier for the newcomers. Yeah, and it's got to be player-led. And you got to have players that believe in what they're seeing from the coaches. Because like we talked about, when when Hubert first came in last year, some of those players initially were like, what is this guy talking about? You know, he was a little different than Roy Williams, but they quickly got, garnered his trust and they also um, showed it on the court. So it'll be interesting to see how it progresses. Of course, it's just mid-June, mid to late July. Excuse me. God, time flies. Uh, basketball season. We'll be here before we know it. Before I let you get out of here, Greg, tell us what's coming up on the IC content front. I mean, if folks aren't on, like I said, the premium message boards, they're missing a ton of stuff. I mean, Don Callahan's been killing it with his stuff, Rel McMillan, about uh, basketball recruiting. And you guys have been covering the media days and all. Uh, football, uh, ACC kickoff is this week as well. What, what should inside Carolina folks look forward to in that regard? Will there be anything of note? come out of Charlotte 
other than the usual talking points and talking heads. Yeah, there is no off-season, right, Tommy? Uh, (laughs) Who would have thought that a week in mid-July we'd have UNC basketball media day and then ACC football media days? Uh, But I I think what everybody really needs to pay attention to is is Wednesday morning, tomorrow morning, if you're watching this live. Uh, Commissioner Phillips is going to get up there at 9.30 and he's going to have a lot of questions thrown his way and I'm not sure there's going to be a lot of good answers, but that should be a fascinating listen. And that really starts the, the two-day event off. Uh, the Atlantic teams will go tomorrow. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how, how the Atlantic shapes up. I mean, NC State's top 10 team. going to be competing for the college football playoff this year, apparently. Uh, and then, of course, on, on Thursday is the Coastal Division. And there'll be a lot of interesting insight there. We, we know a lot of it from the North Carolina side of things because we had media day. Uh, with the football team a couple weeks ago before July 4th. But just to be able to hear from you know, Pittsburgh and Miami and, and new coaches at Virginia and Virginia Tech, uh, it'll be interesting. It's a lot of good information, so, you know, a lot of good networking opportunities uh, you know, in terms of catching up with, with old friends and, and media and kind of sharing what they've heard behind the scenes at the programs that they cover. That's a very beneficial part of this that, that, that helps us in our reporting but also to talk to other coaches and talk to other players and kind of get a feeling of how their programs are looking and their thoughts of other teams. You know, what, what do some of these teams think about North Carolina? The fact that UNC underachieved last year, do they think Carolina can be a legitimate factor in the coastal division? What do the reporters think? Right. Uh, and so all these things we'll, we'll be talking about in the next couple of days. And, and as always, Tommy, there'll be a lot of content coming from it. Yep. Do you like the format where they're on the stanza or on the uh, credenza, behind the credenza talking up on the stage? Uh, I don't mind that for the press conferences. Uh, I don't like it when they send them to the, the reporter's room uh, and, and they put them up on media days. It's because used to be you could just sit down beside a guy and talk to him. Because we used to have players for a long time, you know, for like an hour. You remember those days, Tom, and you could just yep. sit down beside them. Because you, you have the, the main rush of reporters and TV people come in and they ask all the same questions for like 15 minutes and then everybody vanishes. And that's when you just kind of sit back and watch all that play out. And then you go and have a seat. You know, those yeah. are the great times with the, the football, uh, or the basketball media days, because that's when I always talk to Roy about golf. Yep. When everybody cleared out, you can sit down and have some conversations. Now, because there's so much digital media in terms of TV and streaming and podcasts and radio, our window as reporters, as, as written media has really diminished. Um, and so from that standpoint, I don't like it, but that's just kind of an old man yelling at the cloud type scenario. Yeah. The coolest thing about that, like you said, was to be able to talk to people when everybody just, you know, walked off. And yep. I mean, I had great conversation with Pete Gillen back in the day and, and uh, Leonard Hamilton, when he was early on at Florida State, I mean, just some uh, – even uh, Dino Gaudio, before he uh, did what he did recently, it was a great conversation years ago. Ben Sherman gave me a hard time for mentioning that because it was – I brought it up way back when. But the players, talking to Ed Coda and those, and I'm dating myself, but that was when you could really talk to dudes and they would tell you stuff. And that What's was that? the relationship deals that have been lost, I think. For sure. And like Al Skinner, I'll never forget sitting down and talking with him. Uh, and it's like nobody at the table. It's just me and him. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to ask you some basketball questions. Uh, it's and you, fascinating. You, yeah, it really is. And you can really kind of dive into what they what they try to do, what they want to do. Yeah, we've unfortunately lost a lot of that. 
Yeah, it's also it's also not quite as interesting now UNC's football media day because Mac Brown is so media savvy. Yeah. Versus Larry Fedora, you never knew, especially a one-hour press conference, what he was going to say. I think he had to backtrack like six of the things that he said at ACC Media Day over the years. I was at the so, table on a couple of those. Yeah. So Mac Brown, the... he's not going to slip up. He's he's on message the whole time. Mac is a is a certified professional. Absolutely. It, it'll be a ton of stuff for folks to to watch and listen to and check out the videos. Check out this if you if you're watching now and you got here late. Check it out on YouTube when it gets up there. Check it out on uh, the iTunes and the podcast formats and all. We'll be around. But it's on the Beat Live. Tuesday, baseball games be danged. We'll be on Tuesdays at 9 o'clock if we can keep it up. Uh, it's I've been got, fun. I've got one bonus question. This is from the chat. This is for Tommy and Greg here. We were talking about Outer Banks earlier. Tommy and Greg, I want you guys to try to describe what Armando's role is going to be in the TV show Outer Banks. If you can... Share any predictions here? Favorite, uh, favorite moments from the show? If you've seen it, I want to hear. All right, do I do I make an admission here? <laughs> First of all, it's season three. That's true. That's <laughs> Have true. you watched it, Greg? Have you ever watched it? Uh, no, I heard it was the Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero for this generation. Is that accurate? Uh, kinda. Yeah, beach version. You know, I kind of like it. I, I think it's a it's, it's it is what it is. I think he'll but, be a a surf instructor like a surfer <laughs> instructor I, I have no idea how they're gonna do it it's gonna be funny to see um but it's um or maybe he's the ferry boat captain whenever they take the ferry back to yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. take take the ferry all the way up to uh carol hall there and on campus but uh and gregory hall appears gregory uh you can't come in and try to show up the chat my friend <laughs> um you either got to get in or get out and, uh, but anyway, shouldn't you be at the All Star Game, Gregory? It's in Los Angeles. You got to, aren't you working tonight or something? He's at the, he, he's with the wrong LA team. Oh, I guess. You know, the talent <laughs> level went down when he got out there. <laughs> anyway, uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. It's about 10 till 10 on Tuesday. It's been on the beat live. Johnny T shirt sponsored us. Uh, you know, it, it is fun to talk about Carolina sports, but you're right, Greg. There is no off season, so we'll keep right on rolling. Thanks, guys. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.